Section 122 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Mysteries of London, Volume 2, by George W. M. Reynolds. Chapter 257 The Revenge It was about eleven o'clock in the night of the first Saturday of June that the resurrection man, the terrible Anthony Tidkins, issued from the dwelling of Mr. Banks, the undertaker in Globe Lane, Globe Town. Mr. Banks followed him to the threshold, and ere he bade him good night, said, as he retained him by the sleeve, and so you are determined to go back to the old crib yes to be sure i am returned tidkins i've been looking after that scoundrel cranky jem for the last two years without even being able so much as to hear of him the bully grand has set all his forty thieves to work for me and still not a trace not a sign of the infernal villain well observed banks it does look as if the cussed wessel has made hisself scarce to some foreign part where it's to be hoped he's dead buried and resurrectionized by this time or else he's living like a fighting cock on all the tin he robbed me of exclaimed tidkins with a savage growl but I'm sure he's not in London, and so I don't see any reason to prevent me from going back to my old crib. I shall feel happy again there. It's now two years and better since I left it, and I'm sick of doing nothing but hunt after a chap that's perhaps thousands of miles off. And all that time, you see, said Banks, you've been doing no good for yourself or your friends, and if it wasn't for them blessed coffins on economic principles which turn me into a decent penny i'm sure i don't know what would have become of me and my family you forget the swag we got from the old woman in golden lane whispered tidkins impatiently didn't i give you a fair half although you never entered the place but only kept watch outside yes yes said Mr. Banks. I know you treated me very well, Tony, as you've always done, but I'm sorry you used the wicked old creature as you did. Why did she resist then, damn her? growled the resurrection man. Ah, well a day, moaned the hypocritical undertaker. She's a blessed defunct now, a wenerable old carcass, and all packed up nice and cosy in a hospital coffin, too. But they can't get up them coffins as well as me. I can beat em all at that work, cause it's the economic principles as does it. Hold your stupid tongue, you infernal old fool, muttered Tidkins, and get yourself to bed at once, so that you may be up early in the morning and come to me by eight o'clock. "'You don't mean to do what you was telling me just now,' said Banks earnestly. "'Depend upon it. He'll prove too much for you.' "'Not he,' 
exclaimed Tidkins. I've a long, long score to settle up with him, and if he has neither seen nor heard of me for the last two years, it was only because I wanted to punish Cranky Jem first. And now that you can't find that cussed individual, said Banks, you mean to have a go in earnest against the prince? I do answered Tidkins, with an abruptness which was in itself expressive of demoniac ferocity. "'You come to me tomorrow morning, and see if I won't invent some scheme that shall put Richard Markham in my power. I tell you what it is, Banks,' added the resurrection man in a hoarse, hollow whisper. I hate that fellow to a degree I cannot explain, and depend upon it, he shall gnash his teeth in one of the dark cells yonder before he's a week older. And what good will that do you? asked the undertaker. What good? repeated Tidkins scornfully. Then, after a short pause, he turned towards Banks and said in a low voice, We'll make him pay an immense sum for his ransom, a sum that shall enrich us both, Ned. And then... And then, murmured Banks interrogatively, And then, when I've got all I can from him, replied Tidkins, I'll murder him. With these words uttered in a tone of terrible ferocity, the resurrection man hastened away from the door of the undertaker's dwelling. The sky was overcast with dark clouds of stormy menace. The night was dark, and big drops of rain began to patter down as Tidkins hurried along the streets leading towards his own abode, that abode which he was now on the point of revisiting after an absence of two years. At length he reached the house, and though he stopped for a few minutes to examine its outward appearance from the middle of the street, the night was so dark that he could not distinguish whether its aspect had undergone any change. Taking from his pocket the door-key, which he had carefully retained ever since he abandoned the place after the discovery of the loss of his treasure, he soon effected an entrance into the house. Having closed the door, he immediately lighted a lantern which he had brought with him, and then, holding it high above his head, he hastily scrutinized the walls, the stairs, and as much of the landing above the precipitate steps as his range of vision could embrace. There was not the least indication of the presence of intruders. The dust had accumulated upon the stairs, undisturbed by the print of footsteps, and the damp had covered the walls with a white mildew. Tidkins was satisfied with this scrutiny, and ascended to the first-floor rooms, the doors of which were closed, as if they had never been opened during his absence of two years. The interior appearance of the two chambers was just the same as when he was last there, save in respect to the ravages of the damp, the accumulation of the dust, and the effects of the rain which had forced its way through the roof. "'Well, nothing has been disturbed up here, that's certain enough,' said Tidkins to himself. "'Now for a survey of the vaults.' Taking from a shelf 
the bunch of skeleton keys which had suffered grievously from the damp the resurrection man descended the stairs issued forth into the street and turned up the alley running along the side of the house his first attempt to open the door in that alley was unsuccessful there being evidently some impediment in the lock but a moment's reflection reminded him that he himself had broken a key in the lock ere he had quitted the premises at the end of may eighteen forty one nearly ten minutes were occupied in picking the lock which was sadly rusted but at length this task was accomplished and the resurrection man entered the ground floor of his abode the condition in which he had found the lock of the door in the alley would have been a sufficient proof in the estimation of any less crafty individual that no intrusive footstep had disturbed that department of the dwelling but tidkins was resolved to assure himself on all points relative to the propriety of again entrusting his safety to that abode i think it's all right he muttered holding up his lantern and glancing around with keen looks still the lock might have been picked since i was here last and another key purposely broken in it to stave off suspicion at any rate it is better to examine every nook and corner of the whole place and so i will he entered the front room on the ground floor the resurrection tools and housebreaking implements which were piled up in that chamber had not been disturbed huge black cobwebs dense as filthy rags were suspended from mattock to spade and from crowbar to long flexible iron rod tidkins turned with an air of satisfaction into the back room where the dust lay thick upon the floor and the walls were green with damp yes it is all right he exclaimed joyfully no one has been here during my absence i suppose that villain jem cuffin was content with all the gold and jewels he got and took no farther steps to molest me but by satan if ever i clap my eyes on him again and the resurrection man ground his teeth furiously together well he continued speaking aloud to himself in a musing strain it's a blessing to be able to come back and settle in the old crib there's no place in london like it the house in chick lane is nothing to it and now that i have returned he added his hideous countenance becoming ominously dark and appallingly threatening as the glare of the lantern fell upon it one of these cold cheerless dungeons shall soon become the of richard markham as he uttered these last words in a loud measured and savage voice the resurrection man raised the stone trap and descended into the subterranean the detestable monster gloated in anticipation upon the horrible revenge which he meditated and as he now trod the damp pavement of the vaulted passage he glanced first at the four doors on the right then at the four doors on the left as if he were undecided in which dungeon to immure his intended victim 
At length he stopped before one of the doors, exclaiming, Ah, this must be the cell. It's the one, as I have been told, where so many maniacs dashed their brains out against the wall when this place was used as an asylum long before my time. Thus musing, Tidkins entered the cell, holding the lantern high up so as to embrace at a glance all the gloomy horrors of its aspect. Yes, yes, he muttered to himself, this is the one for Richard Markham. All that he has ever done to me shall soon be fearfully visited on his own head. Aha! We shall see whether his high rank, his boasted virtues, his immense influence, and his glorious name can mitigate one pang of all the sufferings that he must here endure. Yes, repeated Tidkins, a fiendish smile relaxing his stern countenance. This is the dungeon for Richard Markham. No, it is thine, thundered a voice, and at the same moment the door of the cell closed violently upon the resurrection man. Tidkins dropped the lantern and flung himself with all his strength against the massive door, but the huge bolt on the outside was shot into its iron socket too rapidly to permit that desperate effort to prove of the least avail. Then a cry of mingled rage and despair burst from the breast of the resurrection man, a cry resembling that of the wolf when struck by the bullet of the hunter's carbine the hour of vengeance has come at last exclaimed cranky jem as he lighted the candle in a small lantern which he took from his pocket there shall you remain tidkins to perish by starvation to die by inches to feel the approach of death by means of such slow tortures that you will curse the day which saw your birth jem do not say all that cried the resurrection man from the interior of the dungeon you would not be so cruel let me out and we will be friends never ejaculated cuffin what have i hunted after you dogged you watched you then lost sight of you for two years now found you out again at length got you into my power and all this for nothing well jem i know that i used you badly said the resurrection man in an imploring tone but forgive me pray forgive me surely you were sufficiently avenged by plundering me of my treasure my hoarded gold my casket of jewels miserable wretch cried cranky jem in a tone of deep disgust do not imagine that i took your gold and your jewels to enrich myself no had i been starving i would not have purchased a morsel of bread by means of their aid Two hours after I had become possessed of your treasure, I consigned it all, yes, all, gold and jewels, to the bed of the Thames. Then are you not sufficiently avenged? 
demanded Titkins, in a voice denoting how fiercely rage was struggling with despair in his breast. Your death amidst lingering tortures will alone satisfy me, returned Cranky Jem. Monster that you are, you shall meet the fate which you had reserved for an excellent nobleman whose virtues are as numerous as your crimes. "'What good will my death do you, Jem?' cried Tidkins, his tone now characterized only by an expression of deep, intense, harrowing despair. "'What good would the death of Richard Markham have done you?' demanded James Cuffin. "'Ah, you cannot answer that question. Of what advantage is your cunning now?' but listen to me while i tell you how i have succeeded in overreaching you at last one night more than two years ago i was watching for you in the street i had found out your den and i was waiting your return to plunge my dagger into your breast but when you did come home that night you was not alone another man was with you and a woman blindfolded was being dragged between you up the alley. I watched. You and the man soon afterwards reappeared, but the woman was not with you. Then I knew that she was a prisoner, or had been murdered, and I thought that if I could place you in the hands of justice, with the certainty of sending you to the scaffold, my revenge would be more complete. But my plan was spoiled by the silly affair of young Holford, for I was locked up in prison on account of that business. But I got my liberty at last, and that very same night I returned to this house. I knew that you had been arrested and was in Coldbath Fields, and so I resolved to examine the entire premises. By means of skeleton keys I obtained an easy entrance into the lower part of the house, and after a little careful search I discovered the secret of the trap-door. I visited the cells, but the woman was not in any of them, and now you know how I came to discover the mysteries of your den, Tidkins, and you can guess how, at another visit, I found the hiding-place of your treasure. "'Jem, one word,' cried the resurrection man, in a hoarse, almost hollow tone. "'You have got me in your power. Do you mean to put your dreadful threat into execution?' "'No persuasion on earth can change my mind,' returned the Avenger, in a terrible voice. "'Hark! This is a proof of my determination.' A dead silence prevailed in the subterranean for two or three minutes, and then that solemn stillness was broken by the sounds of a hammer falling with heavy and measured cadence upon the head of a large nail. "'Devil!' roared the resurrection man from the interior of the cell. Cranky Jem was nailing up the door. It must be supposed that this appalling conviction worked the mind of the immured victim up to a pitch of madness, for he now threw himself against the door with a fury that made it crack upon its hinges, massive and studded with iron nails though it were. But Cranky Jem pursued his awful task, 
and as nail after nail was driven in, the more demoniac became the feelings of his triumph. Tidkins continued to rush against the door, marking the intervals of these powerful but desperate attempts to burst from his living tomb with wild cries and savage howls such as Cuffin had never before heard come from the breast of a human being. At length, the last nail was driven in, and then the struggles against the door ceased. "'Now you can understand that I am determined,' cried the Avenger, "'and here shall I remain until all is over with you, Tidkins. "'No, I shall now and then steal out for short intervals at a time "'to procure food, food to sustain me, "'while you are starving in your coffin.' "'Infernal wretch!' shouted Tidkins. "'You are mistaken. I will not die by starvation, if die I must. I have matches with me, and in a moment I can blow the entire house, ay, and half the street along with it into the air.' "'You will not frighten me, Tidkins,' said Cranky Jem, in a cool and taunting tone. "'Damnation!' thundered the Resurrection Man, chafing against the door like a maddened hyena in its cage. Will neither prayers nor threats move you? Then must I do my worst. Cranky Jem heard him stride across the dungeon, but still the avenger remained at his post, leaning against the door, and greedily drinking in each groan, each curse, each execration, and each howl that marked the intense anguish endured by the resurrection man presently james cuffin heard the sharp sound of a match as it was drawn rapidly along the wall he shuddered but moved not solemn was the silence which now prevailed for a few moments at length an explosion low and subdued as of a small quantity of gunpowder took place in the cell, but it was immediately followed with a terrific cry of agony, and the resurrection man fell heavily against the door. "'My eyes! my eyes!' he exclaimed, in a tone indicative of acute pain. "'Oh, God, I am blinded!' "'Sight would be of no use in that dark dungeon,' said Cranky Jem, with inhuman obduracy of heart towards his victim. "'Are you not satisfied now, demon, devil, fiend?' almost shrieked the resurrection man. "'The powder has blinded me, I say.' "'It was damp, and only exploded partially,' said the avenger. "'Try again.' "'Wretch!' exclaimed Tidkins, and James Cuffin heard him dash himself upon the paved floor of the cell, groaning horribly. Ten days afterwards, Cranky Jem set to work to open the door of the dungeon. This was no easy task, inasmuch as the nails which he had driven in were strong and had caught a firm hold of the wood. But at length, after two hours' toil, the avenger succeeded in forcing an entrance into the cell. He knew that he incurred no danger by this step, 
for during that interval of ten days he had scarcely ever quitted his post outside the door of the dungeon and there had he remained regaling his ears with the delicious music formed by the groans the prayers the screams the shrieks the ravings and the curses of his victim at length those appalling indications of a lingering slow agonizing death the death of famine grew fainter and fainter and in the middle of the ninth night they ceased altogether therefore was it that on the morning of the tenth day the avenger hesitated not to open the door of the dungeon and what a spectacle met his view when he entered that cell the yellow glare of his lantern fell upon the pale emaciated hideous countenance of the resurrection man who lay on his back upon the cold damp pavement a stark and rigid corpse cranky jem stooped over the body and examined the face with a satisfaction which he did not attempt to subdue the eyes had been literally burnt in their sockets and it was true that the resurrection man was blinded in the first hour of his terrible imprisonment by the explosion of the gunpowder in an iron pipe running along the wall of the dungeon the damp had however rendered that explosion only partial had the train properly ignited the entire dwelling would have been blown into the air a few hours afterwards the following letter was delivered at markham place by the postman your mortal enemy my lord is no more my vengeance has overtaken him at last anthony tidkins has died a horrible death had he lived you would have become his victim james cuffin end of section one hundred twenty two